Are you crying? No. Are you crying? Are you crying? There's no crying. There's no crying in baseball. Why don't you leave her alone, Jimmy? Oh, you zip it, Doris. Rogers Hornsby was my manager, and he called me a talking pile of pink shit. And that was when my parents drove all the way down from Michigan to see me play the game. And did I cry? No, no. No! No! And you know why? No. Because there's no crying in baseball. Heyo, welcome back to Thank Fucking God It's Friday. I'm Drew. And I'm Katie. And today we're going to talk about a movie whose original cut was over four hours long. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I would still watch that, honestly. I would not. We are talking <laughs> about A League of Their Own, a movie that I love but still thought it was already too long as it is. I mean, yeah, I was a little bit surprised when I was watching it that it was just over two hours long, but... I just love it so much. I do too. But like, as I was starting to watch it, honestly, the entire time I was like, this could be at least a half hour shorter. The entire beginning could be taken apart. There's like a bunch of scenes in the middle. I don't know. I love the movie. I've watched it so many times, but I was just like, oh my God, is it over? (laughs) I can't really think of that much that I would cut out. What do you mean from the beginning? Well, the whole part with an older Dottie. It just drags on so long. They don't need that. They could just start in the back and then like at the end you have the flash. They don't need the plot device of look at she's old and she's going to the Hall of Fame. We don't care. They have to set up the end of the movie when they're reunited. I don't like the end either, honestly. (laughs) You just wish that the whole thing was historical. Yeah, I don't need that other part. I don't need them dubbing over the voices on the old ladies. Yeah. <laughs> Which I never I really that. noticed before, but I was definitely paying attention this time and I was like, "Oh, it's very clear that they're <laughs> they're not talking." Yeah. I this part, that whole beginning part confused me when I was little because I thought that it actually was Gina Davis playing older Dottie because it sounded like her, and I don't think I understood the concept of dubbing. Yeah, I mean, I never knew that they dubbed over it, but I also don't remember it because I never watched the beginning or end of it. I'd always just watch <laughs> the parts that I cared about, which is like the 90 minutes that matters. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Penny Marshall. You got to give those ladies their due. You got to watch guess. them play baseball in their like 70s. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, how you doing? Oh, you know. Doing all right. I just left the house for the first time in a few days because I needed to get batteries for the recorder. And other than that, I've just been home, working, doing nothing. Yeah. I don't know if I can call my work work anymore. It just feels like I stare at a screen. I'm like, I hope an email comes in so that I have (laughs) something to do right now. Yeah. I definitely am still like working. Work hasn't changed too much other than, you know, working from home and all that. But I think that being isolated and everything is definitely making my productivity go lower because I'm just like not overwhelmed. It's like the opposite. Yeah. No, I get that. Yeah. It's like a weird kind of fatigue, I think. I'm hoping it will improve when we're actually allowed to see people, even though I'll still be working from home probably for another few months. Yeah. I mean, my roommate, 
he's not going back until what like October, which is insane. I think that's what it will be for me too. Oh, they've moved yours. No, they haven't announced anything, but I, I know that the next stage of our going back to work thing is voluntary. Okay. So, yeah. Well, let's talk about a league of their own. All right. So A League of Their Own is a sports dramedy that was released on July 1st, 1992, and it was directed by Penny Marshall, RIP. It's a fictionalized telling of the Rockford Peaches, which is a team from the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League, which is a real thing. And Penny didn't know that until she saw a documentary in 1987 that was also called The Same Thing. And she contacted its director, Mary Wilson, and the producer, Kelly Candale. I don't really know how to pronounce that. Uh, She asked them to collaborate on the film. And that's what kind of got this movie started. Yeah. Did you say 1997? 87. Okay. I was like, (laughs) wait, that doesn't play. She time traveled to 1997, then went back to 1992. (laughs) All for a movie. And it worked out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But the sibling rivalry from the movie actually stemmed from a real-life relationship that was featured in the documentary where Kelly's mom played a center fielder in the actual league and his aunt played second base. And so they kind of used that for the movie but made the roles pitcher and catcher because they thought that would be more dramatic, which, yes. (laughs) Of course, So for the cast, we have Gina Davis, who plays Dottie Hinson. She's the star player and catcher for the Rockford Peaches. And she's married to someone in the Army. And her ambitions center mostly around home and family, not sports, even though she's extremely talented. And she was actually loosely inspired by a real-life player, Dorothy, quote-unquote, Cammy Kamenshek, who was a left-handed first baseman and outfielder. And she was the most feared hitter in the league. Yeah. Uh, Cammy played 10 seasons in the league with a 292 batting average. Very good. Uh, but the thing that got me that I was most impressed with was she only struck out 81 times total over that 10 years. Wow. Do you know how many at-bats? I don't. <laughs> well, 81 is still, still good. They, they played, I think, um, 108 game seasons. Oh, wow. I, I didn't saw. actually realize it was that many games. Yeah, over three months. Wow. Because, I mean, they were doing like double headers and they were doing a bunch. So they play 108-game seasons. To strike at 81 times over 10 years is insane. Yeah, that is crazy. I didn't realize they were playing that many games. I mean, it makes sense because MLB players also play, what is it, 162 or something? Yep. Not this year. No, no. (laughs) Going back to Gina Davis, she was actually the last person cast in this film. They... Originally wanted, I think, Deborah Winger. Uh, They also looked at Laura Dern, Demi Moore, and Jennifer Jason Lee, and they all passed. Well, I saw that Demi Moore was pregnant. Yeah. There's like a quote I think I saw from Penny Marshall that like said like Bruce Willis screwed Demi out of the role literally. So (laughs) (laughs) Leave it to Penny Marshall to tell it like it is. (laughs) Yeah. But Gina Davis auditioned. She was the only cast member, I think, who auditioned for the role without doing the baseball tryouts first. She just auditioned in Penny Marshall's backyard. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Watching this, I couldn't figure out exactly how old Gina Davis was supposed to be, like how old her character was supposed to be. Because especially at the beginning, she looks very young. 
And then mm-hmm. she seems to like kind of glam up a little bit. But she was like pretty close to, I think she was like 35 or something like that, which is way older than I was thinking. I had no thoughts about her age. I don't know how old she was supposed to be, but that's how old she was actually. Okay. I think she was probably supposed to be younger. Yeah. Because, <laughs> I mean, most of the girls that were in the league were like 18, 19, 20 years old in real life. Yeah. Then we have Lori Petty, who plays her sister, Kit Keller, a pitcher who just wants to get out of the small town she was raised in, as well as the shadow of the sister whom she resents for being considered more talented. All of the, like, townspeople at the beginning of the movie are, like, berating her for striking out and stuff. And <laughs> Yeah, it seems like everyone in the town act not even just that they like Dottie better, that they actively hate Kit. Yeah. <laughs> They're basically like, why are you here? <laughs> yeah. Like, why even try Kit? One thing that I found about Lori Petty from this that I thought was interesting was that apparently she threw more pitches over the course of filming this than most like MLB pitchers do over the course of an entire season. Wow. It makes sense that they're like actually playing baseball and stuff like that, but I didn't really think about how athletic they necessarily had to be for these roles. Right. Well, one of the things is like I, I, I kind of mentioned before, all the girls really had to play baseball to be cast. So like they had tryouts and stuff. And a lot of these actresses worked with like some college baseball coaches and some other people to to get in shape for it and do everything. And they actually spent eight hours a day six days a week for seven and a half months doing baseball training Oh my before gosh. they did like the filming. Man, that is crazy. I mean, really, really respectable that they did that to make yeah. this movie as accurate as it is. I mean, accurate in the sense that they're actually playing baseball. Right. For a lot of the, for a lot of the games, like the footage that they have of them playing, like Penny Marshall just had the girls play games without any scripts or anything. So it's just like they'd film while the girls were just playing and then they would use like that because they wanted it to seem, you know, like actual game footage and stuff. Like a scrimmage? Yeah, pretty much. They would use, sometimes when they were doing like close-up shots, they would use these soft balls uh, so that the camera people wouldn't like get hurt because they were really like playing, you know, and if one just comes right back and hits a cameraman, that's going to be a thing. That's interesting. Yeah. Because they were actually playing though, a lot of the, pretty much all the injuries that you see in the movie are real. Like I think it's uh, maybe Betty Spaghetti who had like the huge strawberry uh, on her leg that they like, like Tom Hanks takes a picture of it. No, it was um, the other girl who plays catcher after Dottie leaves. I can't remember her name. Okay. Well, that one was like, that's an actual thing that she, injury she got. It lasted over a year on her (laughs) before it went away. They actually practiced sliding, learning how to slide using a slip and slide at first. (laughs) But then two of the actresses got concussions, so they stopped doing that. Oh, wow. (laughs) I read that one of them, I think it was... Uh, Anne Ramsey, who plays Helen Haley, she got hit in the face with a ball and broke her nose. Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of a lot of injuries. <laughs> All right. And then we have Tom Hanks, America's dad, recent COVID patient. He plays Jimmy Dugan, a former MLB player who had to leave professional baseball due to an injury. Though, of course, that injury was due to him being drunk. And he finds himself coaching the Rockford Peaches. He thinks the team is a joke. He doesn't take it seriously. 
And I read that Jimmy is actually based on two baseball players, Jimmy Fox Mm -hmm. and Hack Wilson. Yeah. I think it's mostly based on Jimmy Fox in that, like, they talk about Jimmy Dugan hitting 58 home runs one year. And, like, that was the same year Jimmy Fox did. And, but I mean, Hack Wilson and Jimmy Fox both kind of played their, played themselves out of the league by drinking and, yeah, and Jimmy Fox also managed the Fort Wayne Daisies for a season. So Tom Hanks originally didn't want to take the role because he didn't feel like he was old enough to play a washed-up ball player. So Penny Marshall had to convince him, like, no, you're not washed up because you're too old. You're washed up because of, like, alcohol and all these other things. Uh, and so he said, okay. And then he put on 30 pounds for the role, which he credited mostly to eating Dairy Queen. <laughs> A lot of blizzards. Yeah, must have been. <laughs> yeah, he definitely doesn't look like himself. He has like kind of a double chin. A little paunch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, the rest of the cast is full of faces you probably know from the 90s. Madonna, that goes without saying. She plays May Mortabito, a promiscuous center fielder. I don't think we really need to say how prevalent Madonna was in the 90s. She was just everywhere. (laughs) Would you say Madonna was more popular 80s or 90s? I feel like 80s. 80s for sure, but she was still so relevant in the 90s. Yeah. She, May was meant to be an infielder, not a center fielder. But Madonna struggled with fielding ground balls. So they put her to the outfield. And apparently she was not the... The easiest to film with, according to say. other people, <laughs> that she was upset that there was only just like athletes and stuff around, that there weren't other entertainers and that there weren't any wow. like attractive men in Chicago where they were filming. And <laughs> there's like these letters she wrote to, to people about the experience. Wow. That's really funny. <laughs> um, it's also worth noting that she sang the theme for the movie This Used to Be My Playground and it earned her a Golden Globe Award. But she wouldn't perform for any of the extras when they were on set. She refused. <laughs> well, there's that part later when they sing the the victory song and it surprised me watching back that she wasn't featured more prominently in that. Yeah, she I mean, I guess she was upset too that she was relegated to like a supporting role in the movie. She felt like she should have been a bigger star in it. I mean, she's very memorable. She has her own catchphrase in the movie, All the Way May. Yeah. I mean, I loved Madonna. I And I was texting you about this the other day. It's like, who would that be the equivalent to of being in like a movie like this now? And I feel like it's like Lady Gaga was what I said. Because I mean, I feel like Lady Gaga is like the evolution of Madonna. Yeah. And she's actually acting and everything too. And yeah. getting accolades for it. Yeah. I love Lady Gaga. Of course, Madonna was also in Evita. Didn't she get nominated for some stuff for that? I don't know. I didn't look that part up. I didn't watch that, so I don't know. (laughs) I have seen it. Another member of the cast is Rosie O'Donnell. She plays May's kind of best friend, Doris Murphy. And Rosie killed it in the 90s. Now and Then, The Flintstones, Harriet the Spy, Sleepless in Seattle. Of course, The Rosie O'Donnell Show. She actually auditioned for Marla Hooch first. Oh, wow. But then they decided like that the actress who played Marla, I forget her name, Megan Cavanaugh, I think, uh, they decided that Megan Cavanaugh was better for the role, so they wrote a new 
one in for Rosie, pretty much. I mean, I love Rosie in this movie. <laughs> yeah, she's awesome. And I did watch a lot of the Rosie O'Donnell show back in the day. I would, you know, get home from school, turn it on TV, watch her calling kids and other people cutie patootie, throwing koosh balls into the audience, crushing on Tom Cruise. <laughs> Unlike Madonna, Rosie would entertain the extras. She would do stand up for the extras like that they had in the crowds and different stuff um, because they had like 1700 extras or something like that. For all the, yeah, I mean, they had to fill those stadiums. So there were a lot of downtime and it was like 100 degree heat where they were filming and all this stuff. So she would do stand up and Tom Hanks would do puppet shows for the extras. <laughs> wow, that's funny. <laughs> and Madonna would do nothing. Diva. We also have John Lovitz who played the baseball scout Ernie Cappadino. He's very well known. You probably have seen him. But one of his most notable 90s roles was as Phil Hartman's replacement on news radio. I think we talked about that in our news radio episode. I think the John Lovitz character in this movie is the best character in this movie. He's so funny. He has such good one-liners. Yeah. His character was actually supposed to be in it more, but then they decided like he was so funny that they're just going to focus on like the comedy of what he did. And most of his stuff was just improv lines. So. Oh, wow. I love when he's leaving at the tryouts and he's like, I hate when they get attached to me. There's there's a line he says there. He's like, uh, you know, going to go home, give the wife a old pickle tickle. Yeah. <laughs> and you can like, if you watch the girl's like face, it's like trying not to laugh at half the show. So that was saying. an improv line? I'm guessing. <laughs> when he is at the farm and he like screams at the cows, like, will you shut up? Um, yeah. That was because a calf was actually being born at that time. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> like he, they didn't know. And there was like all this noise going on. And so you just you scream that over there. They, uh, they named the calf Dottie. Nice. <laughs> I think I'm pretty sure they named it Dottie. That's cool. Bill Pullman only has a small role in the movie as Dottie's husband, Bob. But again, he was very prevalent in the nineties. Casper sleepless in Seattle, like Rosie while you were sleeping independence day which has made a somewhat recent comeback because of Trump's uh, dubbed lines with that. <laughs> uh, I don't even, I can't even watch anything that dumbass says. Yeah. <laughs> was, wait, was Bill Pullman the one that was in Twister or was that Bill Paxton? That's Bill Paxton. <sighs> R.I.P. Have, have different names. Oh, I cannot tell them apart either. I was doing my notes for this and I was like, Bill Pullman died, right? And I was like, no, that's Bill Paxton. Okay. <laughs> um, we also have Anne Ramsey. I mentioned her earlier. She played Helen Haley and she was on Mad About You as Lisa Stemple, uh, sister to Jamie, played by Helen Hunt. Speaking of Twister. Um, Anne Cusack, sister of John and Joan Cusack, had her first ever role in this movie. She was later seen in Gross Point Blank, Multiplicity, and apparently had her own sitcom called Maggie, which lasted for one season in 1998. Who is she in this movie? She was Shirley Baker. Okay. The um, illiterate woman. Oh, really? Yep. I guess it didn't look like her to me. Oh, <laughs> yep. Eh. That moment also always makes me tear up. <laughs> I get oh, sad. Yeah. 
I know. Can you imagine like being there and all these people are watching you and it's like really high pressure wondering if you like got the job basically and you can't read, you can't read your yeah. own name. Man, huh. this was also the first role for Megan Cavanaugh, who played the Peaches' best hitter, Marla Hooch. She has little bit appearances here and there. She was on an episode of Friends, and I think she was on several from Home Improvement. Uh, Taya Leone, very, very small appearance in the movie as the first baseman on the Racine team. I had never noticed that she was there before until this time watching it. I was like, holy shit, that's Taya Leone. I had definitely watched her on The Naked Truth, which ran for three seasons. And, of course, she was married to 90s icon David Duchovny for seven years until his sex addiction came out. And last one, one of Doris's fans is Joey Slotnick, who, again, Twister. He was on Twister. And he was also (laughs) one of the main guys on The Single Guy. Is he one of those two nerdy guys that's like, we love you? Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. (laughs) You know him if you see him. One of those guys. Since this is a historical film, I think it makes sense to take a couple minutes to set some context. The All-American Girls Professional Baseball League, abbreviated as AAGPBL, which is so much harder to remember than MLB, played for 10 seasons between 1943 and 1954. And it was founded by chewing gum magnate William K. Wrigley, and he's reimagined in the movie as chocolatier Walter Harvey in the movie. Gary Marshall. <laughs> Gary Marshall. <laughs> it was actually supposed to be um, Christopher Walken, I think. Oh, God. I'm so glad it's Gary Marshall. But, yeah, they couldn't afford him was what it was. <laughs> wow. Yeah, with men fighting in the war overseas, he and other baseball team owners wanted to find a way to keep baseball around and you know, in people's lives. So they decided that they're going to make a girls league. And for its inaugural season, there were only four teams, the Racine Bells, the Kenosha Comets, the South Bend Blue Sox, and of course, the Rockford Peaches. In total, throughout the league's history, though, there were 15 teams, but a lot of those were because teams moved between cities. I think Rockford and South Bend were the only ones that lasted the whole time without moving cities. Um, Did you see the name of the Grand Rapids team? The Grand Rapids Chicks? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there were two Chicks teams. There was them and the Milwaukee Chicks. Yeah, that was one of those cases where the team moved between cities. Yeah. The name of the league actually was not always the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League. That was only in effect for a few years. It was first established as the All-American Girls Softball League because they were still playing with the softball. Most of the girls were still pitching underhand or sidearm, but then it kind of slowly changed a few years later. I think in 48 it was, they started like all going overhand and different stuff. Uh, And so the name was then the All-American Girls Baseball League and then the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League. And then finally the American Girls Baseball League. Just pick one. (laughs) Yep. A lot of very long acronyms. Yeah. Why couldn't they just add on a letter like they did with the NBA for the WNBA? They basically had to reiterate the fact that these were all American girls for the war effort. Weren't some of them Canadian? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) A lot of them, I think, were Canadian. I mean, they did make a good amount of money playing comparatively to like where they'd be doing anywhere else. Yeah. 
In the movie, they mention that they're going to be paid $75 a week. And I looked it up. That's $1,112 in today's money. Nice. Most sources that I saw said that the girls made anywhere between like $55 and like $150 a week. So depending on how good you were, where you were playing, that sort of stuff, I'm guessing. Yeah. And I mean, for most of them, they were like now becoming the breadwinners for their family. They're sending stuff home. I mean, and and for a lot of them, it was their first time just getting out of where they lived and seeing anything in the world. We saw that with Dottie and Kit. Yeah. Come on, Dottie. The whole rest of your life to hang around here. Never go anywhere, never do anything. Look, I'm married. I'm happy. It's what I want. Let's not confuse things. Okay. But can't you just have this first? Just so you can say you once did something? Something special? Just a few more pieces of history that I've gotten here. In 1943, the first year, the Bells, Racing Bells, did win that first title, but it was not over the Peaches. Uh, the Peaches actually finished dead last that year. They, they won over the Kenosha Comets, but the Peaches were champions in 1945, 1948, 49, and 50. So they, they managed. I think they had the most title wins out of everybody. Yeah, I mean, you get four in 10 years, I got a pretty yeah. good chance. <laughs> it makes sense to have them be the central team in this movie because of that, even if they kind of rewrote history for that first season. Yeah. There, there was another player that was part of the inspiration for Dottie in here. I mean, the main one was the uh, Cami Kamenchik that we'd mentioned before. But there was another player, uh, LaVon Pepper Pear Davis, who she wrote a memoir titled Dirt in the Skirt, uh, which was their catchphrase, I guess, yeah. their team or their slogan. A story about her was that she once punched an ump out, punched him in the face, knocking him down for calling her out at second base when she thought <laughs> that she got in there. Uh, she did get ejected from the game. Yeah. I can't see Dottie doing that, though. No, no, no. <laughs> a couple other little things, like in in the movie – it's kind of implied that the at the beginning, the fans are like, these girls can't play baseball, they're girls. Blah. But in real life, the I feel like it seemed like most people said like, yeah, they understood the girls were talented, that they could play. But the girls had a reputation of being easy. Like they're rumored to like they were called bloomer girls were coming into town. Oh, uh, one of the teams was called, according to like something, Slapsy Maxie's Curvaceous Cuties. Jeez. And because of this, uh, Mr. Wrigley, that's why he instituted all of like those rules for like no drinking, no smoking, no boys, no going out, all that, because they were trying to combat the negative reputation that people had like of these girls wearing skirts going out and playing baseball. Wow. I didn't see anything like that. <laughs> yeah. Naughty. <laughs> all right. Do you want to give us a recap of the movie? We'll do uh, two minutes for you. I guess so. I'll do my best. All right. Don't get caught up at the beginning. I'm just going to say that I can't really look at my notes for this because they're like 10 pages long. <laughs> so I'm just going to try to remember what I watched and not focus as much on my notes as I usually do. <laughs> do you want 90 seconds or 120 seconds? Let's do 90. I don't think two minutes is necessary. All right. Ready? I'm ready. All right, three, two, one, go. 
Drew Hates the Beginning, that's about the induction into the Hall of Fame. We go into memories about how the League was created. It focuses on Dottie and Kit, who are sisters, who are going to be on the Rockford Peaches. And basically, the League struggles at first, and they have to find a way to keep the attention of the public. And so they start doing all these, like, tricks, like... uh, Dottie does the splits to catch a ball. May catches a ball in her hat. And what else happens? Uh, Dottie really struggles with the fact that her husband is away at war and not knowing what is happening with him. He eventually comes back semi-injured. He has a limp. And she wants to leave the league because, you know, she just loves her husband. And that was all she wanted to do with her life. But she ends up coming back for the um, World Series. Before the World Series, Kit gets traded because there's this whole big blow-up between Dottie and Kit, and Kit goes to the racing bells. And at the very end of the movie, Kit hits a high ball. What is it called? A high fastball. And runs into Kit, and or runs into Dottie, and Dottie drops the ball and the racing bells win, and Dottie goes home. The end. I mean, that was pretty disjointed because I literally was just going off of my memory and not my notes, but... <laughs> no, I think you hit all the main plot points. Yeah. There's there's a lot in it, and like I said, the original cut was four hours, which gave like a lot more backstory to the girls and... like. Gives you this backstory that apparently Dottie and her husband got married like the day before he left for the war and like all the other girls just kind of like what their shit is. And there was a romantic subplot between Jimmy and Dottie that got cut. Yeah, I saw that. It said that when they had that in the movie that was screened for the actual players, they got mad because they're like, we don't want that in the movie. That's not what would have happened. Somebody on our team wouldn't have been like that. So they right. ended up taking it out. Which makes sense. Like, come yeah. on. It's good for the drama, but not for the, you know, reputation. Right. So my favorite scenes, obviously all the ones with John Lovitz. Yeah. The scene where they're out at the Suds Bucket. And they go dancing and stuff, and Marla is singing to whatever his name is that she likes. Nelson. Nelson, yeah. I love when Marla's singing. Marla is my favorite person that's not John Lovitz in this movie. I love Marla. <laughs> yeah, um, that whole scene when they're at the Suds Bucket. So Madonna, May, she drugs their chaperone. Poisons. <laughs> po- oh, yeah, poisons. And basically makes her throw up. And so they can all sneak out and see boys, which is against the rules, and also drink. And the swing dancing that happens is so fun to watch. And I also wrote in my notes, this looks exhausting. Yeah. Like, for both the guys and the girls, I was like, holy crap, I would be dead after half of a song. Yeah. I mean, they're flipping. There's... One point when Madonna is dancing with a guy and, like, he flips her. And then in the background, you also see Rosie O'Donnell dancing with a guy. And she's playing the guy's role. Like, she flips the guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Then I think the next day is when they go to church. And, the like, that <laughs> priest, he that's the second time he's dropped that Bible since she's been in there. What did you tell him, May? <laughs> Everything. <laughs> 
one part that I liked in this movie as well is the, um, it's just like a short little throwaway scene, but they have like where there's the, the black woman who's like throat hurls the ball in. I feel like that was like kind of like a nod to that. They still were segregated in this league too. And that even after the color barriers broken in the MLB, they still didn't uh, allow black players in the, in the girls league. Yeah. It wasn't even that they were segregated. It was just that, uh, black women were not allowed to play at all. Yeah. So, I did want to call out the fact that the team's uniforms were dresses. Right, which they were in in actuality. Yes. So the uniforms were designed by an art director from the Wrigley Company and actually had some input from Wrigley's wife, Helen. Oh, yeah. And obviously they were not ideal for sliding. And so... A lot of the actual ballplayers got a lot of injuries, but they were modeled after figure skating uniforms, field hockey, and tennis outfits. Okay, I did not know that. But I just really like when they're seeing those uniforms for the first time and they're saying, you can't slide in that. What do you think we are, baseball players or ballerinas? And There's no pockets Lowen- for my cigarettes. <laughs> yeah. And Ira Lowenstein is like, if you can't play ball in this, you can't play ball with us. And he says that there's 30 or whatever girls getting on a bus right now who will play in a bathing suit if he asks them to. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, boy. Which, I mean, he wasn't wrong. (laughs) No. But uh, one of my other favorite scenes is when Tom Hanks first comes into the locker room and he's just clearly either A, still drunk, or B, incredibly hungover. Oh, both. he has to be wasted. Yeah. And he pees for like 50-some seconds. In that scene, Penny Marshall was in a stall off camera with a hose and a bucket. <laughs> and basically, she just kept going. And like she didn't tell anyone how long she's going to go for. She just wants to like, keep going and let him see what what would was come out of a scene. Was the timing thing improv then? I don't know. Because <laughs> they start timing him. Like Madonna, I always keep calling her Madonna. May gets a watch from somebody and starts like timing him to see how long he's peeing for. Yeah. I did notice he didn't wash his hands. Oh, you can't blame him. <laughs> he's still drunk. Yeah. Pretty soon after that is one of the parts I really like with the movie scope news break that shows how the girls, it's like archival footage. That shows yeah. how the girls aren't just ball players, but they're women. And um, serving basically, coffee. And j- <laughs> yeah, they're just like running the bases and then getting their nose touched up and then serving coffee and things like that. But my favorite line is, and how about Marla Hooch? What a hitter. And she's like <laughs> way out in the outfield where you can't see her. <laughs> yeah. It's, I think, is that after the scene where the bus driver quits? No, it's before that. Okay. I think. Yeah, no, I Wait. think you're right. Yeah, it has to be. Uh, Tom Hanks has actually some of the funniest lines in this movie, too. I mean, I think John Lovitz and Rosie O'Donnell are like line for line the funniest. But yeah. Tom Hanks has some good ones. When he's woken up after the bus driver quits and he just screams out, who is Lou? And then turns <laughs> to the chaperone who he had kissed. Uh, By the way, I loved you in The Wizard of Oz. <laughs> yeah. And then he gets in the driver's seat of the bus 
And he's either completely drunk or severely hungover, so uh, not the best decision. But he was definitely drunk driving them. (laughs) My favorite line of his, though, is, has anyone ever told you you look like a penis with a little hat on? He says that to the ump. And he's like, yeah. no, you misheard me. I can't believe no one's ever said that to you before. Everyone's out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I like how when he gets ejected, all of the players are like, yeah, get out of here. <laughs> Go away. <laughs> um, obviously, one of the iconic moments from the movie is when they're in the middle of the game. And it's right after Ira Lowenstein tells them that the league is in trouble. And there's a pop-up ball and Dottie, instead of just catching it, does the splits to catch it. And the photo makes the cover of Life magazine. Oh, yes. That one was a stunt double, but the one where she catches it behind her back was actually Gina Davis. The stunt double was having trouble doing it. So Gina Davis tried it and just like, did it. (laughs) Good job. Yeah, and this kind of opens up a montage where they're trying to figure out different things that they can do to save the league. There's a sign that says, catch a foul, get a kiss. And I was wondering if they really did that. I didn't look it up. I didn't either. But we see like a sailor catch a ball and then I think it's Helen Haley kisses him or something like that. No, not Helen Haley. Was it Evelyn? Ellen Ellen Sue, I think. Okay. And... Of course, May has her bright idea. I had a key moment in the game. My, my uniform bursts open and, and uh, oops, my bosoms come flying out. <laughs> that that might, might draw a crowd, right? <laughs> you think there were men in this country who went in your bosoms? True in the movie, probably, and true in life for Madonna. <laughs> well, Madonna in the 90s released that like coffee table book called Sex that was like all these provocative pictures of herself. Yeah. No, that's what I'm saying. Like, she's. Yeah been naked everywhere so (laughs) she's madonna yeah (laughs) oh when um this isn't one of my favorite parts but it was just something that i noted when Dottie gets kit thrown out of the game because she's throwing grapefruits up there she explains that it was an important game it put them in the playoffs what does that mean when there's four teams yeah okay i'm glad (laughs) you brought that up because I was like, okay, do only three of them make it? Maybe the top two? Who? <sighs> Come on. That makes no <laughs> sense. Do they go no straight sense. to the World Series? <laughs> right. I was just going to say, this brings up me to my notes where they're singing the victory song that Evelyn is credited with writing. And it's an actual song that they did sing in the league. It was written by Pepper Pear and Nalda Bird. And... They sing it at all of their reunions, and it's a real thing. And it gets stuck in your head very easily. I have it stuck in my head right now. Um, the extras in those Hall of Fame scenes were actual players from the league uh, yeah. that were there. So that, you know, they they probably knew all the words. 
That's why I was saying you got to watch that part because those are the real women. Yeah, I get it. But I don't need the beginning. Sorry. <laughs> when she's like telling her grandkids how to play basketball and they're trash at basketball. Oh, I always thought fine. that was cute. And I think that kind of explains, you know, some stuff that happens in the movie. Let's get to that. Should we talk about that now? Yeah. Okay. So at the end, obviously Kit gets a great hit. It's going to be a stand-up triple. She's tied the game. It's game seven of the World Series. All they need then is somebody to hit her in from third. Except Kit decides she's drunk on power and she is going to go home and win this game. She goes and the first of all, the ball is at third base when Kit is at third base. So her rationale for going home is there's no rationale. She's just doing it. Ball gets thrown home. Kit barrels over Dottie. We see a slow-mo close-up of Dottie's hand. The ball falls out. Does Dottie drop the ball on purpose? I don't think she dropped the ball on purpose, and I'll tell you why. Prior to this, Dottie goes up to Ellen Sue and tells her, high fastballs, she can't hit them, can't lay off them. She wouldn't have said that if she wasn't trying to win that game. I 100% agree with this, but almost everyone I talk to feels the other way. They're like, well, she still wants to win, obviously. She's not just going to go and give Kit an easy hit, but then like she respects her sister or something. And blah, blah. No, Dottie wouldn't do that. She wouldn't no. cheapen the thing. She got rolled the fuck over by her sister <laughs> who was like on steroids at the time for something. <laughs> and the ball came out. And then I just think that Dottie might not have cared as much I mean, she wanted to win the game for sure, but I think she liked seeing her sister happy. Obviously, her sister was more into the game or into baseball than she was. She wanted this to be her life. Dottie wanted to go home. So I think seeing what that did for her sister, like when she's looking at her, you know, happily at the very end when Kid is getting carried on the shoulders of her teammates, I don't think that that negates the fact that she wanted to win the game, but it... Kind of just. Well, I mean, that makes it sound like then she would drop it on purpose. No, I think that she, after the fact, saw what that did and was okay with it. I think that's what I'm trying to say. If you type in, did Dottie drop the ball is the first thing that comes up <laughs> in Google, at least for me, probably because I've searched it so many times before. And there's so many articles actually about it. Lori Petty also said no, that... Dottie doesn't drop the ball on purpose because she kicked her ass. <laughs> I feel like she didn't drop it on purpose. I feel like she just got rolled over. But there's so many arguments of like, well, you know, she you see her earlier in the movie and she doesn't drop one when she gets hit by a much bigger person. What? She's going to drop it when Kit does it. And she just did it because it's her kid's sister. And then they'll tie it back to like at the beginning when she's talking to the grandkids and she's like, let your little brother shoot. Like, that's what she's doing to Kit. Because that was her lesson learned. <sighs> I she guess. was older and wiser at that point because she learned from this moment. Well, again, if you're saying that, then she purposely dropped it. No, she learned from what happened after. <laughs> okay. I still say she did not drop it on purpose. It fell out of her hand, like you said. She got barreled into, but then seeing the outcome of it 
made her okay with that. Okay. Okay. I can accept that. <laughs> um, before all of that, when Kit is like getting ready to hit and everything, I do really love how psyched Rosie O'Donnell's character is when she's like, you are out, Brenda, you are out. And um, <laughs> when she's like, oh, yes, thank you, God, <laughs> when um, uh, Kit starts trying to hit those high fastballs that Dottie told uh, Ellen Sue to throw. Yeah. <laughs> the thing is that I guess she should have told Ellen Sue to throw two high fastballs and then a normal ball. I guess. Yeah, I mean, you you got to mix it up. Who knows? Because Kit was expecting that third ball. She swung high. Right. But, I mean, I think she would have adjusted if it was lower, right? Yeah, I don't know how baseball works. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. I'm just going off of that opening scene when they're back in Oregon, and there's the two high fastballs and then one right down the middle, and she doesn't swing. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Well, she had grown, too. <laughs> exactly. And that's basically the movie, right? Oh, we didn't talk about the the main quote from this movie. The quote that everybody associates with this movie. There's no crying in baseball! No crying! What's the matter, Jerry? She's crying, sir! Anyone who watched me as a child play knows that there is crying in baseball. There's a lot of it. <laughs> But also, like, Lou Gehrig cried when he gave his speech at Yankee Stadium. And, like, uh, I remember, like, Kirby Puckett cried when he was inducted to the Hall of Fame. And there's so many other people who cry in baseball. That's – come on. Yeah. I mean, I think the whole thing was just about how he was yelling at her and being yelled at shouldn't make you cry. And so he was playing with – Girls who have more fragile dispositions than MLB players, but... We're on baseball players a lot. They're all very fragile. (laughs) Yeah. I do appreciate um, that that was right when, before Tom Hanks gets kicked out, right? For saying the penis hat thing. Yeah. So, I mean, he gets his comeuppance for it right away. (laughs) Um, That was... Who's the kid? Sitwell? Is that his name? Stillwell. Still well. I kept thinking yeah. Sally Sitwell. <laughs> <laughs> From Arrested Development. Yeah. Still well. God, I would punch well, that kid Angel. in the face. Punch Have another that kid candy bar. Square in the face. <laughs> oh my God. Kid's so annoying. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess we should talk about the end of the movie, which who knows if Drew actually watched it. Did you watch I, it this time? Yeah, I did. Okay. <laughs> It's just them at the Baseball Hall of Fame, and Kit and Dottie have their reunion. I think one of Kit's uh, daughters or granddaughters is named Dottie. Okay. I didn't pick up on that. Yeah. Somebody tells little Dottie to take a picture. I mean, Stillwell's there because Evelyn has passed away. Yeah. But one of the things about this scene that kind of ties into the real story about it is most of these girls apparently like just never told their families like their kids their grandkids that they played in this so like when the they were actually recognized in 1988 this is the first time a lot of their family members like learned about them playing in it 
Wow, that's so surprising. I would think that for a lot of them, it was a big part of their life and like a really exciting thing to be a part of. Yeah, so I had found this story from uh, a player who played in the league. Her name was Janine Lesko, and this uh, story's from 2017. She was 82 then, I think. Uh, She was 18 when she played in the league in the Grand Rapids Chicks. And she kind of talked about everything like afterward, but she said that like despite all the fanfare and everything, um, most of the women didn't tell their children or make a big deal about it until they were invited till the 80s. She said, all of our kids, they never, they never knew we played until they grew up. She said, I never told my children, never told my husband until they started calling us about the movie. Wow. That's just kind of sad. So... But continuing on with that story from Lesko, she said that she, I mean, she was originally from Ohio and she was a senior in high school in 1952. Um, and she was a back girl for like a local men's team when she was told that there was still like women playing professional baseball. So she drove uh, her sister's car, got to the field, saw a bunch of women trying out for the league. Uh, she was 18 and she's like, I was caught off guard, all these girls in short skirts, I didn't even know what they wore before I got there because we didn't have TV or any way to see anything like pictures of them. So she's like, I always wore jeans. And when I went out there, I felt like naked out on the field wearing those skirts. But that's what they were doing. So she joined after they already had the official uniforms? Yes. Okay. She played with the chicks until the league stopped operating. So Got it. Um, so the last surviving member of the 1943 Rockford Peaches, Mary Pratt, died earlier this month. She was 101 years old. In the league, she was a left-handed pitcher, and she played for Rockford as well as Kenosha. I think she spent most of the time with Kenosha over the five years that she spent in the league. And I don't think she necessarily had as much of a audition process as they showed audition I mean tryout process as they showed in the movie I think that she was kind of recruited and then just put on a team that's kind of what it sounded like okay yeah it sounds like I mean some of the players they probably had tryouts some of them if it was like they're trying to fill a spot they probably just put them on a team or something like that yeah and then another person I wanted to talk about really quick is Terry Donahue. So there's a new Netflix special called A Secret Love, which is about two women who met in the 1940s and carried on a secret relationship with each other for more than 60 years. They never told their family the nature of their relationship. They said that they were cousins and that they were rooming together basically to save money for 65 years And Terry Donahue in particular, she played on the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League on the Peoria Red Wings. So I think she was a utility player, but... Dang, that's crazy. That's a long time. I watched the special and... Or the documentary, and it was good, but I wish that they had kind of done it a little bit differently. They had so much archival footage, not just from like Terry's time in the league, but also just their relationship in like the 50s and 60s. But most of the documentary focused on the fact that they were, you know, in their 80s, 90s and 
couldn't live on their own anymore. And basically yeah. how they had like just recently told Terry's family about them. Um, so I didn't really like that aspect. It seemed odd for a story that was yeah. supposed to be about how they maintained this relationship for such a long time. But I don't know. It was fine. And it was cool to see somebody who actually played in the league and hear her talk about it. But she passed away in March 2019 at age 93 from Parkinson's. Man, that's such a long time, though, for a secret relationship. Yeah, when people would call or whatever, if they were, like, needing to make appointments for each other or whatever, they would just be like, yeah, my cousin needs this or blah, blah, blah. And, yeah, they literally just said that they were roommates to their family members. Their family members are either are dumb then, right? <laughs> well, they were afraid of what their family would think, in particular, like their parents. I mean, their family members are dumb for not figuring it out oh, over yeah, yeah, 60 yeah. <laughs> years. <laughs> yeah. Come on. Yeah. It was really interesting. Um, they also talked about their, like, boyfriends that they had, like, in the 40s and stuff. And the two were, like, having a relationship, but they also had these boyfriends for for the looks of it. Yeah. And, like, the other woman, her name is Pat. Like, three of her boyfriends died, like, in weird accidents. Like, one was, like, crushed by some sort of, like, wagon or something. I don't know. And so then, you're saying she's a murderer. No, I'm saying that I was going to say that what Terry said after that was, you were meant for me. And it was really sweet. <laughs> oh. These guys had to die so that they could be together. But they lived in Chicago for um, their whole relationship before moving back to Canada. They were Canadian. Okay. So I didn't actually intend to talk about that so much, but uh, it's an interesting documentary. Yeah, for sure. That sounds cool. I'll have to look that one up. Um, I wanted to very quickly as well call out that there was a very short-lived TV series that was a spinoff of this movie in 1993. It was also called A League of Their Own. And Megan Cavanaugh came back as Marla. And we didn't really talk about Tracy Reiner as Betty Spaghetti. Um, she's Penny Marshall's daughter. But she was on the TV really? show as well. I did not know that she was Penny Marshall's daughter. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. She was adopted as well by Rob Reiner. That's why she mm. has the last name Reiner. And currently, Abby Jacobson from Broad City is working on a TV remake for Amazon. And it's going to star herself as well as Darcy Carden from The Good Place. But they started production on it in February of this year, right before the coronavirus pandemic hit. So that'll probably affect when we get to see that. <laughs> I'm sure that'll be good, though. They they do good stuff. Oh, yeah. I'm sure they have a really good budget. And, you know, Abby Jacobson is so good on Broad City, which she wrote with Alana Glazer. So I think I think it'll be great. And Darcy Carden. Hello. Also Janet. on Broad City. Oh, yeah. I forgot that she was on Broad City. Yeah. She works at the workout place. What's it called? The Soul Cycle. Or right, whatever yeah. it's called, Soul Spin. Yeah, some sort yeah, of spin that was, place. That was the first time I ever saw Darcy Carden. Yeah, same. Broad I City, totally so. forgot that was her, though. Yeah. <laughs> God, she's so funny. Um, so I did do a call out on Twitter asking if anybody had some memories of this movie. 
And we got a series of tweets from Patrick, who hosts a very special podcast. And I'm going to read these because they're pretty funny. (laughs) So he says, first, I was going into fifth grade when this came out and was probably the youngest Gina Davis super fan on earth. I made my mom take me to the movies once a week to see it. (laughs) Nice. Excessive. (laughs) Yeah. How many weeks in a row? I don't know. Um, This is in reference to something that you mentioned a little bit earlier. There's a scene in the beginning of the movie when John Lovett's character tells the sisters he can't wait to get home to to his wife to get a pickle tickle. And young me asked my mom in the theater what a pickle tickle was, and a group of people behind us laughed. (laughs) It's nice. Um, Shortly after the movie came out, QVC sold a league of their own boxer shorts and i dug through my mom's purse for her credit card and ordered a pair nice beautiful and then he says the movie theater gave me the movie poster when they were done with it and i hung it in my bedroom for a good year or two dang those things gotta go somewhere yeah i guess so (laughs) and then he says i even watched the short-lived tv series based on the movie and recorded every episode that aired on vhs it was awful but i stuck through to the bitter end definitely a bigger fan than me (laughs) So I think I first saw this movie when I was in like eighth grade. I can't remember exactly. Maybe I was younger than that, seventh grade. But I do remember being like suddenly obsessed with it. And it was right around when eBay first became a thing. And I remember finding like an quote unquote autographed baseball on there that was like fake signatures and I made my dad like go on eBay and bid on it, but I didn't win it. Oh, sad. Yeah. (laughs) Do you remember when you first saw it? No, honestly, no. I, I just, I don't think I saw it in theaters. So it just been on TV, but I mean, it's one of those movies that's like, I've seen it so many times and at so many different points in my life that like, I I just know it. I don't know. I might have been younger because I remember watching it after skiing, I think. Something like that. And we stopped skiing when I was in like fifth or sixth grade. So maybe it was around that time. I can't remember. But it was several years after it came out. I know that. Got anything else? I don't. Um, All right. That's the end of mine. Should we rate the movie? I feel like we we talked about it in, in depth. So I yeah. don't think our ratings will come as much of a surprise, but. Sure. Uh, obviously, I love this movie. I love John Lovitz. I love Marla Hooch. I love everyone. I love everyone in this movie. It's so <laughs> great. And I mean, like the baseball that they show, like you said, they were playing baseball. They were doing it. And they did a great job of reflecting that and kind of showcasing just the girls in the league and how how hard they worked and everything for it. And uh I'm going to give the movie four and a half little penises with a hat on top out of five. (laughs) Nice. Yeah, this is definitely one of my favorite movies in general, not even just from the 90s. Like you said, the cast is so great. I love watching Madonna in this movie. I don't care if she was a pain to work with. She earned that. She does such a good job in the movie. She's so entertaining. Like I said earlier, that whole scene at the sud bucket when they're swing dancing. It's so much fun to watch. And there's just so many good quotes from the movie. And 
I think knowing how much work they put into the actual baseball behind it, which I did not know as much before today, really impresses me and makes me think even more about this movie. I think Penny Marshall did a really, really good job with it and brought to light something that a lot of people didn't know about and now really treasure, basically. Like, all these different things coming out where people talk about the girls' baseball league and all that, it's because of this movie. She brought it to the forefront. So I'm going to give this five dropped baseballs out of five. All right. A perfect score. Perfect score. All right. Respect. I mean, it's one of the few movies I've seen, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You've only seen three movies. So this Haven't Star Wars. Haven't we talked about four on this podcast? <laughs> I don't know that you've watched them all. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So I did want to mention that we are running a bit of a contest right now on our social media. We are asking for people to leave us a review on either Apple or Stitcher by June 4th, which when you're hearing this, you have just under a week left. If you're listening on the day it comes out, that's a Thursday, June 4th to be entered into a contest to win a snick prize pack i have been scouring ebay and my closet to find some merchandise related to different snick shows and so if you want to win that you can send a screenshot of your review to us at tfgif podcast at gmail.com and we'll put your name in the drawing and the winner will be announced on june 5th on our social media so Stay tuned. Woo. And um, we have gotten some reviews from that so far. I wanted to read two. Okay. One is one is debatable. You'll find out why. <laughs> <laughs> so the first one is from LBJ Freckles, and it says, This podcast is all that. If you love 90s TV, and who doesn't, this is the podcast for you. I love Drew and Katie's commentary and look forward to listening during my morning commutes and workouts so I can get my daily dose of nostalgia. I'm going to choose to believe that that's LeBron James. <laughs> it could be. Who knows? And then this second review was sent directly to our email. It was not posted online. And it says, oh gosh, let's see if I can say this with a straight face. Just wanted to say you guys are doing a fantastic job bringing back the 90s. I heard you recently surpassed 20,000 downloads. How awesome is that? Though I didn't watch many of these, it seems like they were always on somewhere in the castle, and I've enjoyed listening to your memories and research into the finer details of the shows. I think it's the great way the two of you can interweave your personal experiences into a relationship with the shows. And for the record, though I have only heard a few references, your dad seems pretty cool, Katie. Signed, Lord Murlock of Ultima. And if you can't tell, that is my dad. <laughs> <laughs> he used to play this game is that called his D &D Ultima. Name? No, it was this other MMORPG called gotcha. Ultima. And his character was named Murlac. So, Beautiful. Yeah, my dad played that in like the early 2000s. And he still uses that name as his username on all games that he plays, basically. So Love it. <laughs> Yep. Okay. Well, thank you for the reviews. <laughs> yeah. I want to find a way for my dad to post that one. We we couldn't figure it out in the three minutes he was over at my house the <laughs> other day. 
Well, we appreciate anyone who does leave a review. And as Katie said, get entered in to a little contest to win some goodies. If you can uh, take a screenshot and send that to us. So please, wherever you listen to podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, anywhere. Yeah, not a lot of platforms let you leave reviews, so I'm just calling out Apple and Stitcher for this. But, you know, you can subscribe to us on basically any podcast app of choice. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at TFGIF Podcast. And, you know, if even if you don't have a review to send in, you can still send us email at TFGIFpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, say so for our next episode, we'll be doing... Clueless. Are we? Is that what we're doing? Okay. Well, that that was that was what I uh, put on the calendar. I don't know if you had yeah. looked at it, but <laughs> well, my my first thought was the movie. I forgot that it was oh, a sh- I forgot that no, it was no, a no. show, and I was no. like, oh, we're doing two movies, and then it came to me. It came to me. Yeah. No, nope. Clueless, the show that started as a T- TGIF show and then moved to UPN. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So next week we'll be doing Clueless, or next yeah. show we'll be doing Clueless, and. That's uh that's it. Yep. All right. Well, until next time. Bye. bye.